0: Go ahead and keep standing just for a moment. I'm gonna introduce uh, Carol to us. Carol's one of our elders here at Moran Park. We have been, uh, over the summer, just kind of, we've been in a loose series after the epic story was shared. A loose series of just inviting people to process and explore the epic story that we we looked at in May and June. Um, Different themes that might have stuck out to um, some of our teachers, things that they wanted to process a little bit further. And so Carol's gonna do that for this, this morning uh, with the image of God, mm-hmm. which is at the heart of, of course, the epic story. Of course, God is the main hero uh, mm-hmm. of the epic story, but the image, us, we get to play a key role in, in that great story. And so Carol wants us just kind of explore that a little bit more uh, for us this morning. So I'm gonna pray for her. Mm-hmm. And would you stand and join with me in prayer for her? Father, we just, uh, we know from your word that your word has power mm. to break down mountains, to lift up and build and destroy nations. Mm. We know it's powerful because it goes forth. It's a living word from your mouth, it does not return void, but accomplishes the purpose for which you've sent it. We also know, Lord, that often the work that you're doing is not. The destruction of political nations, but even more, it's the work that needs to happen in the human heart mm. breaking down walls, melting hard hearts, um, revealing idolatries that need to come down and be replaced with you, the living God. And so, Lord, would you do that heart work in us this morning as your word is unleashed Mm -hmm. um, through Carol? We won't hear loud bangs and cries of mountains coming down, but, Lord, we'd love to see the quiet work of your gospel at work in our hearts. Mm -hmm. So would you do that this morning? Lord, we call upon you in the day of our need. You will deliver us. And we will glorify you pray for carol um, that you will take what she's prepared take her heart um, and open up her mouth to speak and may your word come forth be with her i pray encourage her i pray fill her with the holy spirit i pray in jesus name for your glory
1: amen amen thank you so much chris and thank you, everybody. Thanks for being here. Uh, choosing to come and worship the Lord and be together. There's uh, Yeah, Chris talked about that epic story, ex, you know, explained where we're coming from. And that, uh, hi, that series of sermons that he preached really captured, for many of us, our imagination of the big picture of what God is doing in the world. And for me one of the key um, ideas uh, a concept that has had a huge impact on my life um, from the time I was really quite a new Christian um, is this idea of the image of God of being made in the image of God and it's colored how I see myself um, how I see you here and how I see the big world like how I relate to the the big world out there. So let's start uh, by reading Genesis 1:24 through 31. This is the account of the sixth day of creation. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So in Genesis 1, 26, we learn that Adam was made in the image of God. And in verse 27, it's reiterated, kind of poetically. It's like set off separately like a song. (laughs) That God made both Adam and Eve, male and female. They were made in his image. So if we're trying to look at the world through the lens of Scripture, because that's God's word to us, the filter through which we see each other would be the image of God. I noticed that um, in other aspects of creation, everything from light to lemurs, it was like real short. It was like two or three verses. And it was a brief, like repeti- repeated pattern description. God spoke, it was. God saw, God separated, God called, called these things something and then God evaluated. He said it was good. So each one happens in kind of a, you know, short snippet of, in a pattern. But for the creation of man, he gives much more detail and, yeah, breaks into song over it. So clearly we're special, and what makes us special is that unlike the other parts of creation, we're made in the image of God. So I just wanted to start a conversation with you about what it means to be made in the image of God. Um, I don't know that we'll get real far in this sermon, but it's a place to launch. It's like, well, it's something that I've contemplated, like, my whole life as a Christian. So as you listen to these things that you've probably heard before, maybe there's something that will be like a hook this time, uh, something to contemplate, and for sure, something that will lead you to worship. So as we look at the scripture there, some of the things that we learn about God is that he's a creator, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This involves both design and actually making stuff. <laughs> so, thinking about us, when you design and when you make stuff, you're reflecting the image of God. Um, so much we could say about that. Uh, not, it, not just necessarily artwork, but um, engineers and uh, architects and... People who strategize. Does that fall in that same creation of solutions? So anyway, there's just so so many things that we could say, wow, is this part of what it means? Is this a way that I reflect that I made in God's image? And I'm carrying that forth into the world. He also separated and called the creation, which indicates organization. Um, if you are a person who likes to organize, sort, file, compile, coordinate, um, you're reflecting the image of God when you do that. Um, I like to think that filing emails could even glorify God, as long as you can also find them later. <laughs> so, um, in, in, Again, in 126, it says, God made man in his image. And they will rule. So the implication here is that God, and, and it's true, like, hey, if you make a set of Legos, those are your Legos. You rule those Legos, right? <laughs> when God made the world, He's the, like the owner of the world. But then here, it, like, real quick, in the first chapter of the Bible, He turns around and says, and they will rule. So God, God, the God of the universe, Gave us the, the opportunity and the responsibility to rule. That is called vicegerency, the big word, when um, a supreme ruler gives or turns over, let me, let me make sure I get this exactly right. Exorc- the, the person is given delegated power. So it's given from the ruler to. Uh, vice (laughs) a vice person so um, so there's a lot of ways that we can rule over creation I believe it involves care and provision and when I say creation it's 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 the the stuff of the world but also it's it's each other so um, if you think about caring for creation if we are allowing by our use or misuse of the creation for species to go extinct or something like that, then we're not properly caring for creation. Um, God made these things for a reason. Like we can assume God made everything for a reason. So not taking care of it is not giving him glory. And so we wanna we wanna take proper care. Um and he and you know You might say, "Why are all the things made by him? Like mosquitoes and things like that, too? Yeah, we don't know why always everything, you know, God made everything that he made, cockroaches. Um, But a lot of things, think about the things that give him glory and also the things that that make us laugh, you know, like um, baby goats. Like, did God just make baby goats because they gave him a good laugh, you know, we don't know. But we can enjoy these things, but we also must care for them. I think it also means caring for each other. And I think about um, people who work in education, in law enforcement, in um, other, other parts of, like, government, is like that would fall under this ca- uh, category of caring for the creation. So my question then is, do you feel when you go to work, or when you stay home, that you are fulfilling God's mandate to care. Um, I think about, oh man, like after the pandemic, remember? No toilet paper. Like, did we ever realize, do we even appreciate the importance of like truck drivers and people who organize the movement of stuff around this country? You know, it's even things like that everyone has the opportunity to bring God glory um, in what they do and how they care for us. Um, The fourth thing I have here is that in verse uh, 28, he gave them the commission to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, and to subdue it. And of course, what comes to mind is bearing children and parenting them. So if there ever was a calling that mirrors our father's uh, call to fulfill this mandate. Parenting is it. And if you have the joy or the privilege to be a parent, you know what a hilarious, scary, exhilarating, frustrating opportunity it is. It's all those things. It's such a challenging prospect. But we, when we become parents, we experience the love of God. Like we In our love for our kids, we experience a fraction of God's love for us, which makes us, which blows our minds and, um, yeah, fuels our worship. So it's an amazing opportunity, and I highly recommend it. (laughs) Uh, My fifth thing is that he created them in the image of God. He created them male and female. I don't think God is male or female (laughs) what I'm thinking and then that he's not like doesn't have a gender but what I'm thinking is that just like in the well I'm gonna get to the Trinity in a minute but just like there's a father son and Holy Spirit like a little family of the Godhead that when God made us male and female he was like giving us like a picture of that little family and that And a picture of God and that God is not, like it's not enough, like being male isn't enough of a picture of God nor female, but somehow together in a a tarnished way, we get a picture of the fullness, the bigness of God. It's imperfect, but it's a picture. So um, that should impact. How we, how we relate to each other. There's so much in this world of, um, like, <laughs> okay, uh, The Simpsons. <laughs> I'll just use The Simpsons. You know, Homer is just like, he's, he's the doofus, right? And it's like that lack of respect is, is carried out in our culture. Lack of respect for each other. Um, so, that knowing that male and female we're created in the image of God basically should impact how we relate to each other. Um, also, God is triune. It's not explicated in this passage, but throughout the scriptures, we have evidence that God exists in three persons. So, in there's God the Father, His Son Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. In Genesis, In chapter 1 we saw we didn't read it today but the spirit hovers over like the chaos it says hovers over the waters but it's like an idea of chaos so the spirit of God is present there and then later in the chapter it says God created and at that the word there is Elohim so a name for God then in chapter 2 it talks about the Lord God so a third like Way of dis- of naming God is is described, so just in right in there we see um, the variety or like the, it's more than one person, and then later in the New Testament in Colossians one fifteen to seventeen, we're told Jesus Christ is the firstborn of all creation, because by him all things were created so so although it's not all in this one passage in genesis we know that all three members of the trinity were involved in creation now this is a mystery but there is some way in which god is in relationship with himself he shares roles and responsibilities but without competition in fact like the holy spirit points to jesus he gives glory to jesus so in uh we read in i believe john so these three persons are like acting like a family, relating to each other, kind of serving each other, and active in the world. So how does knowing we are made in the image of God affects our rela- affect our relationships in our families and with each other? Finally, um, in chapter 3, again, not read here, it says that God walked in the garden and communed with Adam and Eve. So, he came looking for them, and he was in relationship with them. And it's very simple, simply put, that God is seeking a relationship with his creation. He did that with Adam and Eve. And uh, Adam apparently was, like, familiar with this practice of God to come into the garden and visit. um, Because at the time, in chapter 3, he's hiding. So, um... We are meant to have a relationship with God, and he is seeking us. So every person on this planet is stamped with this image and is the object of God's affection. And judging from the splendor and the complexity of his creation, it's clear he had a design and a plan for everything, no less us. So when I, knowing that God made me in his image, I want to fulfill whatever, you know, his plan was for me, and when I see you seeking and fulfilling his plan for you, so it brings me joy to do that thing in my, my life. It also brings me a lot of joy to see you doing it in your life, so yeah, he gets glory from all of it. But as we know, it's kind of hard to live as God's people and with God's people in this world sometimes. So why is it hard for us to connect with each other, to understand each other, and to work together to to move out into this world and and have an impact? Um, I hinted at it above when I said that Adam was hiding. Um, Let's go to the Genesis chapter 3 verses And read about how shortly after the creation, Adam and Eve transgressed God's command to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So Genesis 3, 1 through 7 reads like this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. I don't wanna dive deep, there's so much we could say about this, I'm not gonna dive deeply into it, but simply to say that this is where, like, kind of like (laughs) the chaos re-entered the creation. They believe the lie of the devil that they would be like God. And they also doubted his word and his truthfulness that he spoke to them. So Adam and Eve have a memory of the beauty of the garden and the plan that God had for their flourishing in relationship with each other, in the family that would grow from them, and with the, in the creation. But now it's tarnished by the lie that they believed and the guilt and the shame that ensued from that thus we have the beautiful plan of god living side by side with the stained broken life that the pair traded in basically for so we are also living with that Uh, centuries have passed but we adam's children carry this curse and we're we're living side by side with this where we see that picture of the creation the beautiful plan that God, god had to be in relationship with us and the brokenness of Sin coming alongside it So my question is are we stuck here? Is there any hope for us? And of course The whole rest of the Bible after Genesis 3 <laughs> The epic story leads us on to the hope that we have and it's not, it's a hope for a redemption It's a hope for you know forgiveness It's a hope for, as, as well for us flourishing in this world. We're still made in the image of God We're just carrying this in broken Kind of broken bodies, broken hearts. But God still has a plan for us to flourish here, and both as, as individuals and also as b- believers in the family of God, He's given us a commission that we can bring healing to the world. <laughs> so it's like we've got this amazing you know, opportunity for change. inner transformation and the transformation of this world and a future hope that will be fully renewed fully human and ruling in the new creation so here's where this hope comes from and let's look at Colossians 1 now Colossians 1 15 to 20 and right up at the top the Son, Jesus is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This Jesus is our redeemer, as well as our model of what living in the image of God really means. Actually, it says he is the image of God. So he in in the flesh is like a physical representation of of who God is. We are in the image of God. So He's really who we're looking to, to be like God. Between that garden in Gen, sorry, that garden in Genesis, we always started over here during the epic story. Between that garden in Genesis and the coming one described in Revelation, we have the call and opportunity to grow more like Jesus. Uh, Romans 8:29 says. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. So again, that is our goal. That is what God has set before us. And that that is what he is going to fulfill. It's what we have to look forward to. So that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So we do not do this work alone. Like, there is an individual part of this, of us reflecting on God's word and experiencing transformation. But honestly, this transformation happens in community because we're rubbing up against people and our rough edges are showing and our, you know, our our limitations and our frustrations, our difficulties. So, um, uh, this, this, this goal towards transformation happens in a community and when a community is trying to make sense of their world that thing is called culture so when we are culture is something that we're both given and we can impact or even make you know the the, the possibility of transformation of culture culture is um, based on something of our family, the community that we live in, even like the environment where you live. So, so for example, if you are, like we lived among Muslim cattle herders in the semi-desert of Kenya. They look at the world very, very differently than a West Michigan person or like a businessman in Chicago. And it's, and it's bound to a certain extent by even just the environment that they live in. Um, The space where you live dictates your lifestyle and your expectations are guided by the inputs you've had. So if you've had education, if you've had access to the bigger world, it impacts how you look at the world and that's called culture. But culture is also something we are influencing or creating. So when God made us in his image, he gave us this mandate that we could have an impact on the culture but we're far away from that time and like we we want our culture to look like that garden right but we're far away from it and we don't have a memory of it but what we do have is the Word of God God's message to us and he's also given us a vision of that garden like in the temple and in the tabernacle we see a picture pictures I could say of that garden and then of course in Revelation we see the Garden we are going to be able to experience in the future, but in the meantime we're living here so How can we start? Transformation it starts with our own identity as a person made in the image of God I have value to him. I know he made me for a purpose to bring him glory and he made me uniquely but as a person stained by sin without him Without his transforming power, what I bring to this world will be self-centered. So as a redeemed daughter, I bring a surrendered heart. Like I recognize my need of God, and I surrender to him, and I obey his will that's revealed in the scripture. And furthermore, I reject Satan's lies that God is not trustworthy. That same lie that he spoke back there to Adam and Eve Now, I'm also rejecting that, that that he cannot be trusted. So, this enemy might try to neutralize me by causing me to hate myself or to to not see the reality that I made in God's image. But the Bible tells my story of forgiveness, and transformation and purpose so by faith I lay hold of that story so now I as an individual <clears throat> excuse me am free to create to rule to subdue the earth to fulfill that mandate the second way that we create culture is in our relationships with each other so as a body of believers we have the opportunity to reflect the love of God in the way that we love one another we show the world a different way to live. We spur one another on to love and good works, just like um, <clears throat> in the Trinity, they're not in competition with each other, but Father, Son, and Holy Spirit work together, encourage each other, do the work, and and like like I said, the Holy Spirit points to Jesus, bringing Jesus glory. We also, you know, can do that amongst ourselves, unlike the. Trinity they don't need to do this but we can forgive each other we can bear with each other we can have patience with each other those are ways that we offer love to each other in this body and also by living that way we're a living witness to the world of what it looks like to be in the family of God I don't have an, you know within the body of Christ there are disagreements right About various things doctrinal things and practical things I don't have a like an answer for how do we deal with our disagreements except to say that um, if we listen truly listen to each other and respect you know each other that we are made in the image of God Listen, you know, sometimes someone's dearly held beliefs conflict with our dearly held beliefs. So listening carefully to each other, examining our beliefs and their beliefs, not just their beliefs, but our beliefs too, against the word of God, and then um, sharing with each other with respect can open the, the door to it. It's an opportunity for transformation, really for both of us, to grow in love and respect it's actually an opportunity for the gospel to do its work in us the best news is that we're on a trajectory to complete wholeness with Christ in the resurrection first Corinthians 15 talks about the resurrection of the dead and there we learn that Adam had a natural body made from dust and a second man from heaven Jesus will give us a heavenly body so verse 49 is it there yep just as just as we have borne the image of the man made of dust we will also bear the image of the heavenly man I don't know if you caught that you guys like all these different scriptures talk about the image (laughs) it's just amazing this gorgeous thread like, just like with the epic story, this, this thread is like, uh, if you think of the epic story as like a tapestry, and there's this beautiful thread weaving through it about what God is doing when he made us, and when, in the end, we will also um, bear the image of the heavenly man. Praise the Lord. We're not going to stay the way we are. We're going to be changed. Like, if, <laughs> one way or the other, we are going to be changed. It's so much something to look forward to. But meanwhile, we live here on the earth. How do we keep moving forward, living into God's individual and collective purpose for us? I have a bunch of questions that I'm asking, so I'm just going to throw these questions to you guys. How does, you know, we, this, the, the idea here was to start a conversation with you. How does um, being made in God's image impact our relationships? Um, We talked about all the ways that God revealed himself through creation. He's a designer. He's a maker, an organizer, and a ruler. He communes and he communicates with us. He's our father and he bids us to fill the earth as well. So what does it mean for us to live into this today? So here's just some questions for you. How does knowing that we and our children are made in God's image impact how we feel about filling the earth and subduing it does it impact our priorities does my life reflect the order of my creator god is a god of abundance i think about like if you cut open a tomato and you see all those seeds all those seeds each one represents the opportunity not just for another tomato but a whole plant of tomatoes guys it's like you know when you think about that there is abundance you know Think of the jalapeno. You're like, you're trying to get rid of those seeds and they're like everywhere, right? Like, <laughs> so it's like, God is a God of abundance, but does my abundance, or also known as my stuff, belie a lack of trust in him? Does my cluttered life, whether it's cluttered stuff or cluttered, a cluttered mind, take up energy and take up headspace and heart space that could be used in other ways that would more glorify God? Uh, we were built for communion and community, but I regularly regret that I don't like, make time to get with people close, you know, like to spend time digging deep with people. Why? Is it like, am I isolating myself because of something I'm afraid of, like afraid that they might see something? Or um, am I too busy and disorganized, like the cluttered life? I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out (laughs) but these are the things it's like you know where pin me down Lord pin me down Uh, instead of creating and making am I merely like going along and sustaining do I have with no energy or vision for what might be possible or what might glorify God am I afraid of making a mistake nothing happens when you're afraid of making a mistake and finally where do I find my identity when I became a believer, this concept of being made in the image of God, like, changed my life. It just had such a big impact on me. I did not have that sense of meaning and purpose, like, that there was a reason I was here in the world. So it just is such a, such a meaningful thing to me. But in our world today, so many people are actually seeking their identity in something as, like, small as their sexuality sorry, I don't, I'm not trying to be mean, but it's more like that's only one part of who we are. But I realize it's coming out of a lack of awareness that you are made in the image of God. There's so much more to your life than this, you know? So, but, so I'm asking this question. How do we turn people's gaze from that one small thing or some other small thing like what job you have or how you look or what you wear or something like that there's lots of things that people find their identity and I just picked on that one how do we help people shift people's gaze to this bigger deeper richer idea of why God has us in this world how do we do that like I I'm asking I'm asking it's the conversation I would love to have with you um, how do we show love genuine respect and compassion when we see somebody struggling with their identity as a you know their sec- in sexuality or like a Karen what's her where, you know i might struggle more with that person actually <laughs> you know? so how do we shift people's gaze to see the beauty of being made in the image of god directly and indirectly i have um been able in the past couple of years to think think big thoughts (laughs) in a group of people and uh that is our house church and i'm just bringing this up because i think if i didn't have that group of people it would be so easy for me to be distracted by just life like just all the things right so the fact that I meet with this group of people once a week at least, you know, helps me to focus in and to, and to address what God is saying in my life and to actually have a little bit of accountability for it. So I'm, I know I'm kind of just like throwing this out there because, um, you know, house church is something that's been important to us at Moran Park. But it's because it's for a reason. It's because in that smaller group, we have a chance to to rub shoulders and rub ideas with each other. If you don't, if you're not in a group like that, I'd really, really encourage you to try to be. And I know that not everybody can do it. There's certain times of life or whatever that it makes it ha- that's hard for people to sometimes engage on, in like a small group like that. So if it's not a house church or you know Bible study group or something, maybe just a one-on-one relationship of accountability where you can just get with one person and talk about these things to see the kind of transformation we're looking for in our lives and, like, as a result, in our church and in our big world. Um, I would really encourage you to do that. And I hope that talking about this today just brings you kind of joy and hope, like a, a refreshing reminder that God made you, he loves you, and he has a purpose for your life, just as simple as that. And that walking with Jesus, we actually have the promise of like the ultimate transformation in the future. Thank you so much. Um, I'd like to continue this conversation even as we head into Matthew and then um, want to say we're going to have one more song and while we sing, if anybody came in today with a burden or, or something in the message you'd like to pray about, Dennis and Peggy are going to be available up front for prayer. So please avail yourself of that. We don't want anyone coming with something on their heart and carrying it back out again, you know, unchanged, unmet. So please uh, take advantage of that opportunity for prayer. We've got one more song, thanks Max.